Well, how are you? Welcome to your international broadcast of your breakthrough, where God's Holy Spirit is always moving. Shem God, God on the move throughout all of the many, many ministries of World Harvest Church, which include, but are not limited to, the great, fully accredited Valor Christian College the incomparable City Harvest Network of churches around the globe by the thousands. It's our calling. It's our divine mandate to encourage you in the Lord, to always keep your relationship with the Lord up to date and right on time. It's not a season for lukewarmness. Amen. God said, I'd rather you be hot or cold. If you're lukewarm, I'll spew you out of my mouth. Well, that's not you. You're on fire. I speak that over you. I speak that to you. And remember, you're always at your best when you're least like that world out there. The church can do more for the world when it is less like the world. You ought to tweet that today. There's a mighty, mighty gathering of remnant, revenant, resurrected revivalists like you coming to this Holy Ghost campus, and you or someone you love needs to be here. I'm talking, of course, about Valor Christian Colleges Fall VIP Weekend. That's right, you get to be here with me for a whole weekend. Get these dates on your calendar. It'll be here before you snap your finger. Think of it. You could be right here with me on this magnificent 200-acre campus where World Harvest Church abides, Valor Christian College abides, Harvest Preparatory School abides, the Women's Clinic abides. Oh, mark that calendar. October 27 through October 29. Valor's campus pastor, my powerful daughter, Ashton Blair, will release an impartation for the next generation of on-fire world changers, along with the greatest evangelist I have ever known, City Harvest Network's own resident evangelist, Miss Deborah George, also special guest. Are you ready for this? Are you kidding me? How could you even think about missing this? Chris Durso is going to be here with me, along with City Harvest Network pastors Evans and Ashley Karayuki. It's all free. Now, I'm going to say that again. It's all free. That's right. But it's so important that you register. Let us know you're coming. We'll send you all the information you need. The, the things that you need to do right now are right there on your screen. Now look, the kingdom of God does not rest on destiny. The kingdom of God rests on and is exalted by your decision. Make the decision, make it now to join me. All of the Valor Christian College students, faculty, staff, World Harvest Church, local church family, we're all waiting for you. VIP weekend, October 27th through October 29th. It's beautiful in Ohio on those dates. Here's just a little more information to 
get you even more excited. Write down all the information. Take a picture of it with your phone on the screen. Write it down. You gotta be here. If God told you something was gonna happen and it didn't happen yet, stop crying. There is life in it yet. Gideon began with 32,000 against the Midianites who had 135,000. There have always been, there will always be more of us than there are of them. We are remnant, revenant, resurrected revivalists. That's who we are. This is not a time to pray weak, timid prayers. A timid faith will be intimidated. Pray with boldness, pray with courage, pray without doubt, pray without fear. Jesus chooses unpolished people on purpose for his purpose. But God is saying you're moving beyond the gift and you're moving into the anointing. Rosh Hashanah, the days of all, Yom Kippur, the first part of the season of tabernacles shows us the left hand of God placed upon our head, which symbolizes the relationship between God and man in sin separated from him. But this says, then with his right arm, he embraces us. In chapter seven of John, the Lord Jesus himself went to Jerusalem during the Feast of Tabernacles. He did it in secret because there were <laughs> gangs, if you will, of religious and political people conspiring to do everything they could to kill the Lord Jesus. But he wasn't going to miss the Feast of Tabernacles. Halfway through the festival, that's where we are right now, he began to teach. Some of the hearers, they were amazed at his teaching. Others were enraged. It's kind of like my preaching. <laughs> sometimes people get enraged, but sometimes they receive the word of God with gladness of heart. Well, these folks were in both camps. And there was such a stir, it was a, a riot, that the chief priests sent men to arrest the Lord Jesus, but they couldn't lay a hand on him. You know why? He always had a passing through anointing. I feel the Holy Ghost speaking right now, so do you. You, my dear brother, you, my dear sister, you, my dear friend, my wonderful partner, you, have a passing through anointing, and the evil one touches you not. Now, on the last and greatest day of the feast, Jesus cried out in John 7, 37 and 38. He cried out, here's what he said. If anyone is thirsty, pay attention, pay attention. If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart shall flow rivers of living water. The seventh day 
of the Feast of Tabernacles is a very, very special day. It's called Hoshana Rabbah. Hoshana Rabbah, or the Great Salvation. Tabernacles, where we are tonight, is a call to relationship. It's a call to power. It's a call to the infilling with the very spirit of the living God. It's a call to every one of us to dwell with the Holy One of Israel. He that is with you shall be in you. My beautiful wife, Joni, and I, we celebrated 36 years of marriage. We dated seven years before that. And uh, our marriage is better than it's ever been. I've been pastoring the same church for 45 years and married to the same woman for 36 years. God's a faithful God. And, and Joni, for those of you that don't know her, is, is a perfect balance <laughs> to my personality. She's rarely emotional. That's, she's just not ruled. You know, women are emotional creatures, but, but she's not an emotional person. She's never been a needy person. She is uh, rarely outwardly expressive. She's virtually never loud or boisterous. All of those things in direct contradiction <laughs> of my personality. Well, I came upstairs from studying one day and she was at the kitchen. In the kitchen, she was at the sink washing dishes. You know, she's one of those kind of wives and moms. Like she washes the dishes before she puts them in the dishwasher. I'm telling the truth. So she's standing there. We have windows that look out from the sink so she can see outside. She was standing there and tears were streaming down her face. And I said to her, well, what are you, what are you crying for, honey? You know, I didn't know. She maybe cut herself or something. And here's what she said to me. She said, I just realized, I just realized that as I was, as I fulfill my calling as a wife, as a mother, God receives that as worship. And she said, he's visited me right here in the everydayness of my life. And I'm overwhelmed by his love and by his presence. Now, what she was experiencing was summed up by the great apostle, Paul, in the book of Romans, chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Most of you know it by heart. Here it is from the Message Bible translation. So here's what I want you to do. Here's what I want you to do. God helping you. Here's where we miss it. Take your everyday, ordinary life, not your Sunday morning, go to church life. Your everyday, ordinary life. Your sleeping and eating. Your going to work. Your walking around life and place that before God as an offering. She was washing dishes. And while she was doing that, I was downstairs. I remember I was studying 
for a Dominion camp meeting message. And there's my wife washing the dishes and with the presence of God Almighty permeating her entire being. Look, embracing what the Lord God of heaven does for us is the best thing, Paul said. The best thing you can do for him. Then he says, don't become so well adjusted to your culture, your everydayness, that you fit into it without even thinking, without ever practicing an awareness of the presence of God. That's what this week is all about. The wisest man that ever lived described it over in the Song of Solomon, chapter two, verse six. Here's what he said. His left hand is under my head and with his right arm, he embraces me. Here's the parallel. The left hand represents judgment while the right hand is always illustrative of the love and acceptance of God, being drawn to God. Rosh Hashanah, the days of all, Yom Kippur, the first part of the season of tabernacles, shows us the left hand of God placed upon our head, which symbolizes the relationship between God and man in sin separated from him. But this says, then with his right arm, he embraces us, placing his arm around our back as if to say, I want all of your life. I want all of you, even your back, draw near to me, which can never reciprocate my love and my devotion. When I embrace Joni and take her head in my hand or one of my children when they were infants and place their head in my left hand and bring my right arm around to love them, I'm saying to them, I want all of you. All is forgiven, all is well, I'm here to wrap myself around you so that the back part of your life, the most insignificant, the most mundane moments of your day, hear this preacher, the most insignificant backward things that you would never think God would be interested in in your earthly existence. He wants to draw all of that so near to you. Those ordinary times that your mind would think of him, that your heart would reach out to him, that you would practice an awareness that he's there when you're watching your little boy play Little League or your little girl at the dance recital. He's there. He gave the Lord Jesus so he could be. When you're doing things that don't seem in any way to have anything to do with spirituality, 
are you thankful? I, I know when I, I of course, I, I practice this. I know that this is the season that I'm supposed to be in. When, when I walked out this morning and I saw the beautiful leaves changing, my mind didn't think about the leaves. Tears filled my eyes. And I said, thank you, Lord, because fall's my favorite time of year. I said, thank you, Lord. Seven years ago, the enemies tried to make it so I'd never see another fall. And I've had seven since then. I walked to my car. And as I was opening the door, I said, thank you. This car could have had a crash. It ended my life. Thank you for this car. Thank you. They, they just paved one of the main roads between my house and World Harvest Church. And did you ever thank God for a smooth road to drive on? They don't, they don't have any of those in Sudan. They, they don't have any of those in Pakistan. Is your heart to the place where you practice an awareness of him all day long, every day, just, just because you want to acknowledge that he's there. You want it more than you want your next breath. The, my book, The Cross, One Man, One Tree, One Friday. Well, inside that book, I have these words. God says he will meet you where you live. Whether it's in a mansion or a cardboard shanty. And he says, I will love you as you are. You know, if Jesus didn't love sinners, we'd all still be sinners. He loved you before you ever loved him. And he says to you right now, I love you as you are. Watch this. Not as you should be. And here's why. You're never going to be as you should be. This, my friend, this is the unfailing unfaltering, unfathomable love of our Father expressed through the gift of the supreme sacrifice of his only begotten Son. In the garden, humanity enjoyed that kind of an intimate relationship with our Father in the Garden of Eden but by their sin, by the sin of our pristine parents, Adam and Eve, we became estranged as they did. The entire human race estranged from that relationship. And ever since that moment, when sin entered the bloodstream of all humanity, a chasm was created between the Creator and creation between God and you. But God, in that very moment, 
already had a plan <laughs> to once again live in the sukkah, in the home, your home, in the heart of his people. The temporary dwelling that Israel built during tabernacles were reminiscent of the time when God actually dwelt with them. And as they made their way through the wilderness, delivered from Egypt, God told Moses, my presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Wow. That's what he's doing for you right now. As we celebrate the last feast season of God's celestial calendar, the Holy Spirit dwelling with us. Oh, how thankful we should be. Practice being thankful, and in so doing, you will practice an awareness of the presence of God. You don't have to, you know, get prostrate on the floor somewhere. You can just be thankful for a drink of water. And remember that the living water is in you. He wants you to never thirst again for anything but more of him. So God says, here are the seasons. Passover in the spring of the year. Pentecost, 50 days after Easter. And then a long separation and tabernacles right now. Right now, which we've been going through for the last few weeks. This week, Sukkot, booths, dwelling with God. There it is. That's where we are. That's why you need to bring guests with you. You know there were seven guests? Seven. Maybe I'll teach you that sometime. In Israel, they practice what seven patriarchs brought into their lives. Oh, if I ever walk you through those, we'll have to have the camera so they can move a lot because I think I'll take a run. But now God says three times in a year, in March or April, in April or May, May, June, and then September, October, when these feasts fall, he said, I want you to come before me. It's a commandment. It's not a suggestion. And these feasts are forever. We know that from the book of Hebrews. Again, they're not the feasts of Israel. They're the feasts of God. And they remind us of our relationship with God. So these three times a year, we're to come before him, including this week. Sukkot, tabernacles. And he says, when you come, bring an offering. Don't come empty-handed. I didn't write that. No man would have written that. God wrote that. Because do you know that, you know this from your children, the things they don't invest anything in don't have much meaning to them. But if you invest, that's the reason you won't talk about people you pray for. You won't be rude to people you pray for. You see? 
So God said, don't come before me empty-handed, Deuteronomy 16, 16. But now watch this. Three times in a year you must appear before me, never appear empty-handed, Deuteronomy 16, 16. Now I don't know if you have Deuteronomy, you do, there it is. Deuteronomy 16, 14, during the Feast of Tabernacles, he says, be joyful at your feast, you, your sons, your daughters, your family, your men servants, your maid servants, the Levites, the preachers. Now watch, he designates who this offering that we bring at Tabernacles is for. He says it's for the strangers, the fatherless, we call those orphans, and the widows. Strangers, orphans, widows. Strangers, orphans, widows. What does that mean? Well, it means those for whom nothing is provided. Those that are struggling. Those that your gift can bless. So we're gonna receive the offering tonight in just a moment, and we're gonna receive it for strangers, orphans, and widows. Sudan, UN says, the United Nations says, it's the worst hunger crisis ever. We're right now providing 50,000 meals. My great God, we're reaching the strangers, the orphans, and the widows, and we just need your help. And God said, during this week, bring an offering. That's not your tithe, bring an offering and let it go to the strangers, orphans and widows. Remember we began tabernacle season with the feast of trumpets. Jesus is gonna come, the sounding of the trumpet, 1 Thessalonians 4, the trump of God shall sound, or he's going to bless us with all seven plus five of the blessings available only from his word during the season of tabernacles that we are in right now. Now don't forget Sukkot, the great feast of tabernacles comes to its glorious conclusion on October 6th. October 6th. Earthquakes in Morocco, record hurricanes forming on both coasts, and overwhelming flash floods have left millions in great need. Widespread famine and lack in the Horn of Africa continues to threaten young children's lives. During the Feast of Tabernacles, God directs us specifically to sow, to bless the stranger, the orphan, and the widow. Your commanded offering is critical today to Bridge of Hope's missions outreach wherever help and hope is needed. To thank you for your compassionate tabernacle seed of $100 or more, you'll receive Dr. Parsley's new feast series, Dwelling with God. Each of the messages revealed the deep mysteries of the Feast of Tabernacles. Plus, we'll add the insightful book, The Sukkot Mystery Revealed. We'll also include other bonus gifts to enhance and enrich your spiritual walk. Obey God's command to not appear before Him empty-handed. Sow an uncommon Sukkot seed of $1,000 or more, and we'll send you this beautiful red glass and black marble atonement flame. The base is engraved with lyrics from the hymn, The Cross, The Blood. 
please call, write, or sew online before this feast season ends on October 6th. Every Tabernacle's Gift of Love will receive our beautiful Blessings of Obedience 16-month calendar. Sow in obedience to God's command and believe for the Blessings of Tabernacles to be released in your life. Call or give safely online today.